Good morning. Good to see you all on this beautiful Sunday, right? How many weekends, like since February, have we had a nice weekend, right? So we'll take it. All right. Well, I have to say, I have to begin by making a confession. And I know everyone's ears kind of perk up when someone says they have to make a confession. But I do. I have to make a confession. And it has to do with the sermon. You see... What I want to do is I want to start out by making some observations about our text in Romans. And then I want to say some words that I hope are encouraging based on that text. And then, thirdly, and this is a confession, it's nothing but shameless advertising. Because, you see, what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to talk about Brent's theme of spiritual gifts. But now that I'm nominating, excuse me, now that I'm chairing the nominating committee, I kind of have an agenda of my own. See, what I want to do is I want to help committee chairs and team leaders to fill spots as they become available. And I've come across this really nice little inventory that helps us kind of figure out what our abilities and strengths are so as to help us understand what our spiritual gifts are. So... My goal this morning is this. First, we're going to look at Romans. We're going to talk about Romans. Then I'm going to give you some encouraging words. And then, shameless advertising. Okay? Alright. So let's take a look at the text first. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 21. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, so I have three observations that I want to make about this text in Romans. The first one is this. When I read this, it struck me as like a Reader's Digest version of what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, like a shorter version, but the same idea. In the first part of the passage this morning, what he talks about, what Paul talks about are our spiritual gifts and how we are many members and how we are to use our spiritual gifts together to form one body. In Romans 12, verse 4, he says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And then if you skip over to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, Paul says this, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. So Paul is basically saying the same thing to these two churches but in different ways. In the second part of our passage this morning, in verses 9 through 21, Paul talks about how those gifts are to be used. And the context is love. So he says, love must be sincere. And then he goes on to talk about what sincere love looks at. Well, then you go to 1 Corinthians 13, and Paul says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. And he talks about love in that chapter. So I thought that was really kind of cool that Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 were kind of the same. And now the reason why I thought this was cool is because it makes the authorship of both Romans and 1 Corinthians very authentic. Because what you have is you've got the same guy, the Apostle Paul, writing to both of these churches, the one in Rome and the one in Corinth. But these churches both have the same problem. And the problem is pride. So in the Roman church, you've got the Greeks and the Jews who are vying for a position of superiority because each one wants their tradition to represent the true church. In Corinth, you've got this Hellenistic influence of what it means to be great, which is all wrong. And Paul is trying to help them understand the correct way to understand the use of our gifts, gifts and so on. So I just thought it was just kind of neat that Paul would do what any of us would do. These two churches both have a problem. It's both the same problem, so we're going to address it in the same way. It just sort of came home to me. The second thing that I'd like to point out is that within the second part of our passage today, verses 9 through 21, there are 13 verses. And in those 13 verses, there are 29 imperative verbs. Do you all remember your English? Imperatives are commands or requests, right? And of those 29 imperative verbs, they are used in 20 imperative sentences. So there are 20 imperative sentences in 13 verses, which means Paul is up to something. He's definitely wanting to make a point. And the point is that Paul isn't messing around when it comes to employing the gifts that we are given. He wants us to put them into action. And it only makes sense, right? I mean, in order for our gifts to be of any use, 
People have to see them. People have to experience them in order to be blessed by them. And I'll also tell you that it is as we exercise our gifts, that we put them into action, that we're also blessed by them. Third, the third observation that I want to make is that Paul speaks about spiritual gifts in three different passages in the New Testament. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and also in Ephesians 4. And there are two ideas that are consistent with regards to the use of spiritual gifts in each of these references. One is that the purpose is for each person to exercise their gift as a part of the body. That's something that we've already talked about. The second purpose is for the maturing of our faith. That is to say that using our gifts enables us to grow in our faith. Helps us in our understanding as we experience what it means to serve God. Now, what I'm going to do now is I'm moving to the encouragement part of my sermon. But I want to frame it by answering two questions. The first question is, why should I strive to be a part of the body of Christ? Why should I strive to be a part of the body of Christ? And the second question is, how do I mature and grow in my faith by putting spiritual gifts into action? Okay, question number one. Why should I strive to be a part of the body of Christ? Working as a part of the body of Christ creates a sense of connectedness as we are a part of the body of Christ. Right? Connected. So Brent was talking about thing last week. Right? So there's no hand that's like disconnected and hanging around out there and freaking everybody out. When we are uh, trying to be a part of the body of Christ, we are therefore connected. A comment that I've oftentimes heard has to do with the difficulty people feel when they're trying to be a part of a church that's new to them. The point I want to make is that the service in the church helps us to find that sense of belonging, of camaraderie that we're looking for. Because we are working together, shoulder to shoulder with other people, for the purpose of the kingdom of God, which is really exciting. The first year that Sue and I were married, one of the things that she found difficult was the fact that she was missing her friends from her old church in central Massachusetts. And she was having a hard time making friends here. And we both understood that this was really only a matter of time and it was simply part of the adjustment process being new. And as we were sort of navigating all of this, we were also thinking about the fact that, you know what, Sue, your gifts are kind of aligned with being a deacon. It'd be cool maybe if you were a deacon in the church. And then when she was asked to be a deacon, and she agreed, and when she found herself working beside others who were also invested in serving the church, she truly began to develop meaningful, vital, and real friendships, and she began to feel that she was connected that she was part of the church. And it only makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, we come together once a week. We're here for an hour and a half. We kibitz out in the hallway, right? And we see each other for like 10 or 15 minutes. How far is that going to go? But if we decide to roll up our sleeves and join in and be a part of things, then there are many more chances, many more opportunities, and many more levels in which we can interact with each other, making our relationships with one another vital. I mean, we all look forward to seeing each other on Sunday morning, right? 
We all look forward to seeing each other on Sunday morning. But when you, but when you are working with somebody or doing something with them, you look forward to seeing them even more. There are tremendous friendships and opportunities that are created. And dare I say, it even enhances our worship because we feel that sense of belonging, that connectedness as a part of the body of Christ. Now I know the question that remains, has, that has to be answered, has to do with time. I know how difficult it is to make time for one more thing when our calendars are already filled to the brink. But trust me when I say that this is also where God's goodness comes into play. For me, I'm really only available periodically. My work at Landmark is pretty intense. So once every six to 18 months, I'm asked to preach. But the truth of it is, I couldn't do it more than that. It takes me that long to figure out what I want to say. But the same is true with chairing the nominating committee. It's a committee that meets two, three, maybe four times a year on a need-to basis. Again, working within my abilities to serve. You see, God not only knows our giftedness, but he also knows the things that consume our lives. Our giftedness and our availability are all under the sovereignty of God. No one is asking us to be irresponsible with our time or to overcommit. I firmly believe because of my own experience that God wants to work within the boundaries of our lives. Boundaries that quite frankly, God has put into place. So the degree to which we serve would also be the degree to which we are available or the degree to which we're able to commit. So then the question simply becomes, are we willing to put ourselves out there, to do whatever it is that might be asked of us? It really comes down to a matter of willingness. Are we willing to serve? Now, are there Sunday mornings when one might be rushed to get to church a little bit early because of their involvement in the hospitality committee or deacons or choir? The answer to that is an emphatic yes. There will be mornings or even weekday evenings when perhaps your schedule is cramped up a little bit. Frankly, I rather enjoy having a nice leisurely brunch with my wife before I come to church. But on those mornings when the choir is rehearsing before church, where's Bob? Oh, there he is. Okay, good. I'm about to embarrass him a little bit. But on those mornings that we come and sing with the choir, I love that. Because I love being with the people in the choir because we're all goofy. Right, Bob? We're all goofy. Yes. So the point is, it's fun. So why should I strive to be a part of the body of Christ? Because being a part of the body of Christ makes us connected, have that sense of connectedness to the body of Christ. All right. How do I mature and grow in my faith? By putting my spiritual gifts into action. We mature and grow in our faith when we put our spiritual gifts into action because it's then that we can begin to experience the reality of our giftedness, the reality of our faith, the reality of our God. One of the things that I enjoy most about working with teenagers is where they are developmentally. They're no longer children, and yet they're not yet fully adults. They're moving from a concrete understanding of the world to a more abstract understanding of the world. So for example, a little kid might see something they don't like going on and they'll say, that's not fair. Or whereas uh, an adolescent might see something that he or she doesn't like and they say, 
That's not just. So they're moving into this idea of being able to understand these abstract concepts like justice. They also begin to develop ideals. They begin to see the world the way it should be as opposed to the way it is. And they begin to develop a sense of purpose around moving the world in accordance with these ideals. So one of the joys of my job is being able to tap into this new abstract thinking or this French, freshly minted idealism by getting students involved in community service, both locally and internationally. Locally, students are involved in working with the homeless, children with special needs, the elderly, and so on. Internationally, they work with children and adults in third world countries where they are immersed in their country and exposed to their impoverished living conditions. And they also help them with projects and help educate the children. But the reason I mention this is because it's just incredible to see how these adolescents who were once children become adults as they mature and grow through service to others. Now I want to tell you a story about Betsy. Betsy was one of our students from Landmark. She went down with us to Jamaica and she was a great basketball player. And what she wanted to do when we went down there was she wanted to teach the kids how to play basketball. What I do while I'm down there is I'm always down there making videos so that when we come back, the kids can you know, watch these videos. So I'm looking through the viewfinder and the camera, and it was just one of those moments. You know how you have moments that you just never forget? And there was this moment when I'm, I'm looking at Bessie through the viewfinder of this camera, and I am literally watching this girl turn into a young woman as she is standing in the middle of the circle of Jamaican kids, teaching them the finer points of playing basketball. It was just a magnificent thing. Teens begin to have a better understanding of themselves as people and as young adults as they implement their idealism and serve others. And they develop a sense of purpose and connectedness which brings them joy. They begin to see that they have a place in the world. They begin to feel alive in a way they simply couldn't as children. Their world just begins to open up to them in a whole new way. The bottom line is they experience the reality of who they are as young adults through their giftedness and their ability to make a, make a difference, and they do this through service. So you see where I'm going with this? They are an example or an analogy as to what it means for us to grow as Christians. Just as teenagers learn about themselves through service, so it is that we learn about our faith through service. And just as teenagers exercise their idealism and see it come to life in their service to other people, so we can exercise our faith and see it come to life in what we do. I believe there's no greater means by which we can grow as Christians than to put our beliefs and our giftedness into action, thereby not only seeing the impact that we can make, but experiencing what it's like to actually be an instrument in the hand of God. I have seen this happen time and time again where people take a step of faith and put themselves in the service of God and simply grow by leaps and bounds in their understanding of their faith because they begin to experience their unique effectiveness as a child of God. It's while we are in service that we experience our faith, that we see God at work and whose faith isn't strengthened when they experience it, or when they see God at work. It all becomes real. 
It becomes more than a creed. It becomes more than hymns. Because we see God at work and He becomes real. We see His genius and His sovereignty, His love, His healing, and His beauty. In the summer of 2014, I think it was the summer of 2014, I decided to be a part of the pastoral search committee. And my involvement with that group of people was nothing short of absolutely exhilarating. I still remember the time when we were sitting at the table down in Fellowship Hall. It was in the middle of July, it was hot. And it was dawning on us the magnitude of what we were being asked to do. We were trying to fill the pulpit after Pastor Boyle had been here for 49 years. We didn't know how we were going to do that. We didn't know where we were headed. It wasn't until the process was nearly over that we saw how God had been directing us all along. It was an exciting experience in faith, working with others and walking with God. So how do I mature and grow by putting my spiritual gifts into action? We mature in our faith as we experience the reality of our giftedness, the reality of our faith, and the reality of God. Okay. Third part of the sermon is shameless advertising. So here we go. In two weeks, on May 21st, I'm going to be leading a session during the Sunday school hour in which we'll all be doing an inventory that'll help us understand our giftedness by looking at our interests and abilities. So this is it. And it, I think it says in the announcements or anything that you might have read that this is on a computer, bring your laptops. No, 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 no. That's what I was thinking at the beginning. But good news for me, and any of you who also are not great on the computer, it's on paper. So basically what we'll be doing is we go through, if any of you are familiar with the Myers-Briggs personality inventory, it's kind of like that, where you go through, you answer questions, and then you categorize your answers, and then you prioritize the different categories, and then when you're finished, you'll have a sense as to what your spiritual gifts might be. Now, it may confirm your suspicions about yourself or it might surprise you. It kind of surprised me a little bit, um, but the spiritual giftedness that I came up with sort of said that I was a pretty good candidate for chairing the nominating committee, which should be a comfort to some. <laughs> Um, so I want to encourage you to be a part of this. There's a sign-up in the foyer. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. Um, and I would say that it's going to be a lot of fun. And understand that doing this in no way obligates anyone to anything. It's just simply meant to be a fun time when we can talk about spiritual giftedness and try to imagine what it would look like for each of us. And also, if you're lying in bed on Sunday morning, May 21st, and you haven't signed up yet, and you're thinking, oh, I wish I'd signed up. Just come. It's fine. We're going to have plenty of uh, inventories left over, and there might even be donuts. I don't know. But anyway, it'll be a great opportunity for discussion, and afterwards, hopefully by the time we leave, everyone will have a better insight as to how they might be able to continue, how you might be able to continue in your journey in serving God here at Byfield. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your 
church represents the body of Christ here on earth. And your church, because it represents the body of Christ, is filled with your Holy Spirit, is led by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would continue to lead this church by your Holy Spirit and that you would move in us and enable us to truly be a body of Christ that represents Christ in this world. We thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for the blessings that await us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.